Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. Dear Andrea, this is turning into a daily habit. Every night before I go to sleep, I brush my teeth, wash my face, and write you a letter, whether there's news or not. What a geek. It's Tuesday night, only a week since graduation. It seems like much longer. So far, I'm loving summer, but soon all of the activities are going to be used up, and I'm going to be really bored. Tonight, after work, I went to see Legal Eagles. We made Tuesday night at the Movies Club. I wish you were in it. The movie was great. Robert Redford is beautiful, and Deborah Winger is from Terms of Endearment. I love her. What I just read is a letter that I got from my best friend from high school when we were separated for the summer after high school graduation. Her name's Robin, and we were so close. And um, for, well, for many years, but for the first three years of our friendship, we wrote letters, hundreds of letters back and forth to each other. I saved those letters for 30 years. And, um, and I also have letters that I wrote to her because Robin died when we were 33. And her mom gave me the letters that she saved. This is Writing Class Radio, and I'm Andrea Askowitz, your teacher. Today we're talking about the epistolary form, which is just a snobby way of saying stories written in the form of a letter. So... Um, Check this out. Stories as letters are as old as stories. Uh, I recently found out that Seneca, who was this Roman philosopher and playwright, wrote letters to his friends, and um, those are noted as, like, the first essays ever. They were written in, like, the year 50 or 60. My first writing teacher, Terry Silverman, told our class to think of writing to one person when we write. So I had our students write a letter to someone. I did that to get the students to write in a relaxed way, to be informal, direct, totally personal, which is what we're after in any story. In the next story, Misha shows us what it feels like to lose his best friend. Dear Yvonne, when we lived together on Orchard Street, I was really pissed at you. It was so perfect that first year. I loved watching artsy movies, listening to Bill Evans and smoking weed while cooking that beer chicken with peppers recipe. Do you remember that pizza paddle you picked up off the street and hung up in the kitchen? The other day I was watching that video your brother took of us arguing about how to fix the toilet. We were so in it. I wish you would have just stepped back and let me handle it. One person per toilet is a much better system. You could be such a controlling fuck. Remember when we shaved each other's heads and then there were these thick little hairs coating the bath for weeks? I think my favorite memory is when you hysterically called me shouting, that you saw a mouse in the apartment. 
where the night you stayed out an extra hour so that I could lose my virginity. It was weird the next morning. I felt like you were flirting with Stephanie, but not on purpose, it's just your nature. You two kept saying shit in Spanish, so I had no idea what was going on. All I could think was that I hope she doesn't tell you it took me only 10 seconds to come. Do you remember that one time I waited outside the apartment? You'd lied to that waitress about being an Israeli soldier on leave. I couldn't believe she thought your Argentinian accent was an Israeli one. You made me wait until she left, cooking up some elaborate story about how you had to leave in the morning to go to the front lines or some shit. Then you met Amanda in that one week I was out of town. I know you fell in love with her, but you moved out like such a dick, barely any warning. Everything was so perfect, and then she came in and fucked it all up. Suddenly, it was like you didn't care about me at all. It took me a couple of years to cool down from that. Tommy, your replacement, didn't make it any easier, with his pull-up bar in the doorway, his muscle soup, and his fucking loud girlfriends. I hated you for leaving me like that. I also missed you. I still do. This weekend in LA, watching you walk down the aisle with Amanda, I started to cry. I felt like I was losing you all over again. I felt so alone. Maybe that's why I latched on to Sophia at the after party and told her that I loved her. That may have been stupid, but when she and I made out in the patio in the back of that bar, I forgot about how lonely I felt for at least a few minutes. It's too bad she lives in Buenos Aires. If she was in El Portal or Hialeah, we might be able to explore things a little more. I had so much fun with her. We laughed so much. Sebi was glaring at me during that Friday dinner. I suppose I'd also be pretty uncomfortable if I saw some guy staring into my sister's eyes the way I was with his. You know, I blow these girls up into fantasy cures to all my problems. They become these things in my mind that they'll never be in real life. Like with Danielle. Imagine how much that fantasy inflated over the five years we were together. I really fucked things up there. I don't want to bore you with my shit. You've got your own shit now. You've got a new life with Amanda in your little house with your big dog. I hope you know how much I really love Amanda. It was so hard for me not to hate her for taking you away from me. She had to be one of the most amazing people in the world. And she is. I even think I like her more than I like you. I already said all this in my drunk toast. I wasn't as drunk as Sophia, though. My favorite part of her speech was when she started thanking everyone in the crowd, one after the other. Kari, Marce, Mati, Bar, Dani, Dori. I know Sophia was also probably a little drunk when she said that she loved me and probably meant it in the same way I mean it when I say I love cheeseburgers. I told her I didn't want her to leave. I didn't want this to be over. I kept whispering to myself, fuck. And she kept saying, no, it's not fuck. This is a beautiful moment that I won't forget and let's enjoy it. It's so hard for me to let those moments go. I feel like I need to hold on to them. Evie, I'll shut up now. Kisses to you and Amanda. I love you. Misha. 
You say lonely in a lonesome tone. You say lonely if you really are alone. You say lonely, but you say it the wrong way. You say lonely like it's a bad thing. Why write a story in the form of a letter? Because the main objective in true storytelling is to discover and deliver as much truth as possible. And I think it's easiest to be honest when you're writing a letter. Here's another round of letters between Robin and me from the summer of 1986. Dear Andrea, tonight I was talking to Kathy and she was asking me if I feel like even though I've been going out a lot and a lot of people are home, something is missing because you aren't here. She was so right. I miss you so much it kind of scares me. Like right now I'm feeling so confused and I can't find anyone around who I can really talk to. I think the problem is really that I don't know how to date. I feel weird about having gone out with Mark last night and kind of fooling around and then being with David today and fooling around again. And I've neglected to call Jeff back, and he's called me a lot of times. I guess this is my time to have guys want me. It really is about time. Please don't share this letter with anyone. It shows all my retarded bullshit that I can reveal only to you. Dear Robin, I'm so happy that you're getting so many men. You deserve it. Shit, it's about time. I'm impressed, but not surprised. Who do you like the best? Just don't do anything you don't want to do. BJs are a big deal. Very personal. But if you lust peeny, only do it if he'll eat you out. It's only fair. Our next storyteller is Bo. He uses the letter to ramp up intimacy with a stranger he meets at a truck stop. Dear 300-pound factory worker that sat behind me at the truck stop last week, whenever I'm back home in the South, I love going to Greasy Spoon truck spots to soak up the local flavor. Thanks to you and my country fried steak, this visit did not disappoint. I thank you for generously sharing with me your most intimate fantasies about what you wanted to do to the stripper you saw at the titty bar in Roxborough. Your obliviousness to my gayness makes me wonder if I'm doing a good job of butching it up or if you're really just clueless and confess inappropriate things to any total stranger. Actually, I think you've probably been drinking. Your descriptions brought her to life. I could imagine her. Beanpole thin, pale freckled skin, frizzy country hair, big toothy smile, strutting back and forth on the stage to Leonard Skinner. And I can totally see in my mind's eye her size D implants adorned by magic tinsel streaming tassels. I totally get your longing to see her silver dollar sized nipples, but those titty tassels do sound festive. I asked you her name, not because I actually planned to go there and look out for her, as I told you when I got up to leave. I wanted to hear her name so I could imagine the scene to the fullest. And her name, Jasmine Fox, was more or less what I expected it to be. I don't judge you for having fantasies. Everybody does. But you might want to think twice before striking up conversations in which you objectify women and make yourself sound really sleazy. Or maybe you don't want to think twice. 
That was what I liked best about you. It may sound like I'm looking down on you, but actually there was something about our shared human condition and yearnings that actually kind of moved me. I could never express myself so freely with anyone, much less a stranger, the way that you do. I thought about you on the way home, and I thought about Jasmine Fox, too. I wish you both well. Thanks again for bringing me into your confidence and making me feel just like one of the guys. Love ya, Bo. P.S. I'm sorry about your messy divorce. It sounds like your ex-wife is a real bitch. Letters let you express yourself freely. Bo admires this guy for being so open and expressive. And then Bo is able to be open and expressive with us. We get a little bit of Bo's insecurities and we get a little bit of his humor. Letters make it easier to be funny, especially if you're writing to someone who you really know, because there's like that insider, inside joke thing that goes between two people. So before I read this next letter, I want to explain what I thought was so, so funny. And I think Robin thought it was funny, too. So in Spanish, um, ha 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 is written J-A-J-A because the J is pronounced has the H sound. So we used to write and say back and forth. We used to say, oh, isn't that so funny? Ja, ja, ja. Like we were so stupid. We would say the J. Um, Because that's how how it is when you're growing up in Miami. Like, that's, that's what you get. Okay, so keep that in mind when I read this letter. Dear Robin, there's so much sand in my bed, I think I'm at the beach. Oh no, I just farted. I hope I don't wake anyone from the stench. My farts smell different here. I guess from different food. My old farts smelled much better. Today was a different type of day. We didn't have activities. Yay! I hate doing tennis day after day. The monotony gets monotonous. It's midnight 30 and I'm sweating bullets. I want to take a shower, but this place is total prison. No showers after lights out. I just said to my co-counselor, Do you think the whole camp will hear if I take a shower? She said, Just don't take a loud one. So I said, Okay, I won't sing. Ja, 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 ja. Then Robin wrote me back on a work receipt. She worked at the food court at Dadeland Mall, which is where both of us worked our senior year in high school. Dear Andrea, I read your letter again at work. I was reading and smiling so hard I forgot where I was, and then I got embarrassed. I, I kind of sort of made it my life's work to make Robin laugh. So at least she smiled. Next is a story by a new student, Chaplin. What Chaplin does so well is show us what a letter can do. A letter allows the writer to get intimate with the recipient, with the audience, and with the self. Dear Frankie, you're the only person who will understand this. I can't stop looking at pictures of Hari Neff on the internet, and I'm envious of her. I look at photos from her life and I can't help but want what she has. She's not conventionally beautiful, but I think it's her sense of style that I found, find the most provocative. 
There's something that's so reminiscent of the 70s with her. Her shaggy bangs and layered bob that remind me of Patti Smith. Her eccentric sense of style. She's not like all of these other celebrities who can't even dress themselves and rely heavily on their stylists. There's something about her that's so artistic and so hybrid. Something so masculine and so feminine. Something I think I possess too. there's something that's so beautiful and transcendent about people who are in transition. I've also been talking to Martine about her transition, how it's going, and I can't help but feel jealous, but also incredibly confused. Right before I left for New York City for Miami, Martine asked me, ask yourself this, how do you envision yourself growing old, as a woman or as a man? She told me that her therapist had asked her the same question before she began her transition. It was such a powerful question. I suppose I've always seen myself as feminine, but is it too late for me, I wonder? I'm scared of society. I am scared that I am too old and that my body has taken too masculine of a shape to be redirected. Martine says we are both lucky to have slender and feminine frames because it'll help with the ability to pass in the real world. I'm afraid of all of the bigots out there. I'm afraid of being even more of a target than I already am. I'm afraid of all of the stories that I hear where trans women, especially trans women of color, are murdered. I want to live an honest and truthful life, but sometimes I fear that I lack the courage to do so. Also, is there a place to exist in the middle? I know that it's a state of mind and that transitioning is, is different for everyone. I know that you don't need all of the surgeries to feel complete as a trans person, but I am uncertain of my next move. I feel like you're the only person who will understand this. I know you will tell me something honest and from the heart. Please give me your words. To be honest, I wonder if it would even come as a shock to most people. Most people mistake me for being a woman on the street anyway. Just last weekend, I had the bathroom attendant tell me that I was in the wrong restroom. I've changed my name and people ask questions anyway. And on Facebook and Instagram, the person that is projected is different than who it used to be. I look at myself in the mirror and I see my long locks of wavy black hair. I feel like my face has become more femininely cut. I like the way I especially look when I have blush on because I feel like it creates a more sharp appearance. I see my collarbones and I think that they're feminine. I took a picture of myself in a thong and sent it to the guy. I look at it and I think, wow, that could be a woman's body. But this is the issue with body dysphoria. You always want more. I want my shoulders to be less broad and my arms to be slimmer. I want my facial hair to disappear so I don't have to wear makeup. I don't think my parents would really care if I transitioned. I've shocked them enough anyway. I just don't want to have any regrets when it's already too late. When I think about Martine's question how I envision myself growing old, I definitely don't see a wrinkled old man. Letters are cathartic. They're cathartic to write. They're cathartic to get. It just feels so good to get a letter, especially in the days when people wrote them by hand and then put them in the mail, and then you would run to the mailbox, and then there it was, a letter, communication from someone. And that required a little bit of money and some effort. And they were really philosophical and written, like, alone at night. And so they were deep and moving. There's love in a letter. Robin and I thought we were so deep. She wrote me this letter at the end of our summer. Dear Andrea, Actually, 
it's good in a way that we're apart, so we can see that we really can be okay without each other. And then a few years later, when we turned 20, I sent her a birthday card with these cartoon people out on the outside holding their noses. And the card said, P.U., someone just turned farty. Here's what I wrote. Dear Robin, oh, Robin, Robin, happy birthday. We're 20. Well, you are. I have two more weeks. Wow. About this card, ja, ja, ja. Send it back to me in 20 years, will you? That would be so great. Do you think we'll still know each other in 20 years when we're farty? I think so. I hope so. Robin didn't send that birthday card back when we turned 40 because she died when we were 33. She was the first person I ever really talked to. And so much of our communication happened in letters. I think she was the first person I ever loved. Here's your assignment. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Write a letter to your best friend. Describe a time you learned a hard lesson. This episode is produced by Misha Morell, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz, with editorial help from Claudia Franklin. Writing Class Radio is recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. Theme music by Adriel Borshansky. Additional music by Misha Morell, Blue Jay, and Kevin Miles Wilson. Check out all the musicians on our website. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. I put up a few new ones. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? This episode is dedicated to the families of the victims of the Orlando Massacre. Love is love. Let's rebuild our broken bridges and come back to things that really matter. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.